as I once told Joe Rogan, as we were coaching him to success after he listened to every single one of a gentleman's chat podcast, I said, you know, Joe, the most important lesson that will bring you success in your life is to listen to episode 54 of a gentleman's chat with your hosts, Billy and Ian. It's true. People could learn a lot if they were listening to us, but there they are goofing off and not getting their heads in the game. Yeah. Measly $7 million or whatever it was. Spotify deals. Yeah, whatever he signed. That's pocket change. See, just think. He signed for $100 million, whatever it was. But if he would have waited till this episode came out, right, he could have signed for $150 million. They, Easily. He, he Easily. wasted $50 million earnable dollars. Wasn't it was like three years ago at this point, right? Was it? I have no idea. With inflation and all the crashes, he could have probably doubled his money. He could have. He honestly could have. Yeah, that's what you get when you don't consult us first. You snooze, you lose. <laughs> that is the fact of the matter. Hey, I've got a wild opening topic for this week because I had one of the craziest dreams of my life. So I don't know about you, but when I have dreams at night, I'm a very vivid dreamer. And I remember all of it. So normally what happens is I'll have either a dream or a nightmare. Sometimes they're both. And uh, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll just tell my better half the whole story of the whole dream. Because I can remember stupid details about it. So here's the one from last night. I woke up in the middle of some nightmare that I can't remember. Like I, my, my, like I just woke up, sat up in bed. And, you know... Which is not your favorite thing to do. But I was like, okay, everything's fine. There's no one here to kill me. Easy. Go back to bed. And I'm sleeping there. And you and I are driving in a car together when I go back to sleep, right? Now you and I are driving in a car. And a mutual friend of ours phones up and says, hey, I'm just down the road. By the way, we're in a different state right now. We're just like, (laughs) we're cross-country traveling, you and I. And uh, he said, hey, I'm down the way at a restaurant. You should stop. And we thought, okay, sure, why not, randomly? So we pull off, and for some reason, the city that we're in is like New York, except it's like it's like a, a video game version of it, right? Because it's all like blue and green tones, the whole thing. And we're driving around, and I, for a good 15 minutes, we struggled to find a parking spot because there wasn't like a parking garage. There was like lawns. So we were trying to maneuver onto this dude's lawn, which was also this restaurant, apparently. And uh, we get out of this the car. This just sounds like New York. It's this, this, this is wild. Because we get out of the car and we go in and we meet our friend, right? And we sit down and a guy walks over of Japanese descent. And it, it, this is important because his English isn't that good, right? But he's our waiter and he does good enough. How do you to, know he was. I, I must cut you off just for a sec. Yeah. How do you know he was of Japanese descent and say not. Korean, Chinese, Mongolian, Hmong. It's clear because of what happens next. The next encounter. So uh, he comes over. He's our waiter. And he asks us, what do we want to drink? And without flinching, you answer back to this guy in the most trashy, racist Japanese accent I've ever heard (laughs) in my life. It was so bad, I won't even attempt it on this show for fear of getting us canceled. (laughs) It was the most broken garbage Japanese accent I've ever heard in my life. That sounds and, like something I tried to do in real life. Dude, and I just sat there stunned. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So this guy takes a seat at our table, and now it's like, oh my gosh, Ian is like, Ian is teeing this guy up. He's trying to take our drink. We're in a different state. We're gonna, this is Yakuza. We're dead. It's over, right? 
I could not tell you what happened next because I'm pretty sure it was at that moment that I, I woke up again and like floundering in bed, like, please, dear Jesus, get me out of this. Because <laughs> it was so out of control. Now, for those that don't know Ian personally, he is a very opinionated fellow <laughs> on this show, but he is sweet as pie to like wait service, wait staff. Normally in person, like when you go to his house, he holds the door for you. He waits till you leave. He says goodbye. He greets everyone. Like he he does all the hosting things. But for in, in this time, in this moment, he just lost his marbles and decided <laughs> what better thing to do than bust out the worst Japanese, like racist accent we could come up with. Dude, it was out of control. Uh, I like it. Yeah. So that, like was, it. that was my last night. That's why I didn't get to sleep last night. You were, that kept you up? Yeah, for a good long while, actually. You have to at least see the conclusion. I I remember there there being an end. I don't know yeah. what the end was. I think the guy, I honestly think we may have just apologized for you and left. Oh, like, I, think, I, think, I think I may have just actually that's left. That's weak. You shouldn't just, you can't apologize and just walk out. I said, you know, here's my little racist friend. You know, you don't know about, <laughs> you know, he doesn't know you. You don't know him, obviously. He's trying to speak to you in your native tongue. <laughs> Whatever baloney story I spun. But yeah, dude, that one kept me up last night. I was <laughs> in your native tongue. That is far more demeaning than any racist accent I could have said. Dude, you were out of control. And then as you turned around, I probably slipped him a five and we were having a laugh. Like I told you he would freak out. That was great. Well, you know, and the worst part is I can't remember if we actually got our meal or not. So I'm I'm pretty bummed on yeah. that. Yeah. We gotta find this man. Let's take I, a road trip to New York to find Or, or this wherever man. we were, yeah, the Twilight Zone. It was Hey, just so you know, in his dream I said something that was unfounded and I'd like to apologize, unless you found it funny, in which case I'll say it again. Say, no, don't say it again. No, no, don't do that. It was not funny. Was it just the accent? Yeah, or lack of accent. Or maybe it was like a... I don't know what it was, to be completely honest with you. I woke up and I, I very genuinely remember telling myself, you need to write this stuff down. Because Ian needs to know about this. And then I was like, was that actually Ian or was that someone else that I know? <laughs> I was having this internal battle. I was like, no, nah, this has to have been Ian. And I, so I wrote Are it all accents... Would you take away from this story? Do you think all accents nowadays would be come across as racist or are there funny ones? No, no. Yours was just that bad. Well, if it's just that bad, I think that would be funny. Oh, it, it wasn't. It, it was not. It was, it was, you know, it, it was like, you know, when you see the, the YouTube videos of like white guy walks through, you know, Chinese market and speaks to them in their native tongue. And it's this white guy, right? Who has poor English to begin with. He, he talks to me. He says, yes. I'm going to go baffle this you know, elderly Chinese lady by walking up and speaking Mandarin to her, you know, because that's what she, uh, bah, 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 right? And he walks up and he orders, you know, the fish of the day in their language. Like, oh my gosh, look, it's this human being that can speak our language and he's white. How wild. This was not that. This was not that at all because it was you, the white man, speaking what can only be described as an amalgamation of several different uh, uh, accents. And really just trying to hammer home some point that I, I just can't remember at this moment. But yeah, if it was the rules were reversed, I would absolutely find that one of the most hilarious things. Like if a Japanese person came up to me, I was a wait staff for him. And all of a sudden he gives me like the worst redneck American accent ever. I don't think I would compose myself. Did the waiter hold it together or was he cracking up? 
Because if he held it together, I don't remember, that's props on I him. I don't remember him laughing, I'll be honest. I don't, no? I don't remember him having as much fun with this as you were. Oh. So. Angry type. Yeah, uh, yeah, can't yeah. Can't take a joke type of person. Yeah, yeah. He probably didn't get a good tip at the end of that meal if we ever ended up having it. So. <laughs> I would have tipped him well, especially if I did something like that. Well, yeah, right. You almost would have had to. Do you have dreams like that? Do you have vivid dreams that you remember the next day? No, I don't dream. Oh. I I call my dreams are just goals. Oh. And I do and I make them while I'm awake and I fulfill them while I'm awake. Don't have to worry about the sleep part. Really? So I also don't sleep a lot, so Well, okay. I if I don't sleep a lot, it leaves room for dreams kind of shallow. So you mean to tell me that when you go to bed at night, you don't have any dreams ever? No, I go to bed and I wake up the next morning. Okay. Okay. Now, sometimes I get that, right? Where it's yeah. just like one, you, know, you just close your eyes, open it again, the alarm's going off eight hours later. Yeah. But uh, most of the time, I have some pretty wild adventures in the middle of, uh, of me falling asleep and, and waking up. I would find that exhausting. I think I would sleep less if I had that. You know, that could be, when I was a kid, I was actually very afraid to fall asleep because like there's that, for lack of better phrasing, like there's that moment where you stop existing. Like like a death type thing in my in my mind, especially when I was younger, right? Like you close your eyes and then you just don't exist for a little while, and then you come back, and that to me was like, wow, how scary is that? And then I would wait up all night, like waiting, anticipating, like when's the moment that the that the that I exit my body, right? I spent a long time concerned about this, and uh, so yes, maybe that's part of my problem is that I'm such a vivid dreamer. That it, it prevents me from wanting to fall asleep or prevented me from wanting to fall asleep. Now it's quite fun because I get to tell ridiculous stories to my better half yeah. in the morning. Um, although it does bite me because sometimes I'll wake up angry. You know, like when you fall asleep and you wake up, you're like, ah, a new day. Oh, I'm just angry. I'm awake. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, I don't have that because normally what happens to me, not normally, but if I'm not I, a morning person. Oh, I see. I am. Now, if I have a, a particularly raucous dream where let's say my better half is cheating on me with someone or does something that is, you know, quite malicious. There have been times in my life where I've woken up and just by, you know, look over at the person sleeping next to me. I cannot believe you. Hmm. You disgust me. And then it's like, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. That wasn't real. And so there's like a 15-minute gap in the morning where I'm getting ready and like starting to make breakfast where I'm just peeved. Like I can't believe that you were making out with, you know, Chris the other night. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> In my dream last night, said, Billy, that's your dream. I wasn't there. You were like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You can't hold that. It's like, listen. If anything, you conceptualized all this. <laughs> right. Yes, that's the spinner on that. Like, so you had me cheating on you with someone else. Now, yeah. Who's the problem, child? Yes. I do do that. When I'm not like asleep, but you're either teetering off or you're just really relaxed laying somewhere. Mm. I do I'm not sure if you would call it dream at that point because it's usually just irrational thoughts that you yourself are thinking like and stringing together. It's just not your best A game because you're half asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I do do that, but I don't blame anybody because it's my own imagination that's causing me all the grief. Some of them have been so grievous that I have woken up and actually had a conversation with her about this. Cause it's like, you know, Hey, this is my dream last night, and I just have to get this out of my head because it was—it's so vivid and so not what I'm down for. Um, She's gonna start not wanting you around when you wake up. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is that um, 
I usually am not a nightmare person. Um, but recently, like the past month or two, I wake up nightly with a nightmare. And it's like, it's not like an open your eyes, like, okay, it's three in the morning, all is well, go back to bed. It's like very vicious. Like I'll wake up and like start throwing like blankets around and stuff like that until I'm finally like awake and conscious. And uh, that one I bet is really annoying. I, as, a, as a partner, I'm annoyed. annoyed I'm annoyed. Well. You know, I wake up. It's like, gosh, dang it. I just tossed the pillow halfway across the room. That's obnoxious. Are your nightmares recurring? Or like the stream recurring? I know my dad, for one, he always, because he says, he explains in detail all the time about how he has recurring dreams mm. to everyone. And throughout stages of his life, he'd have like the same dream for months on end. And he's come to let everybody know that now whenever he has like recurring dreams, he always knows it's trying to tell him something and he'll pick the logic out of something. Mm. Do you think your subconscious mind while you're asleep thrashing about is trying to tell you something while you're getting eaten by the T-Rex or whatever it is? I'm assuming, however, it's not reoccurring. Like there, there have been spells in my life where, you know, you get the same yeah. dream a few times, right? That's happened. Particularly. I have one where, uh, the murderer walks in the door, you know, at one o'clock in the morning, like that type of deal. I get that one a lot. And well, it's me to. with yeah. a racist accent. Yeah, it's <laughs> you just standing over me, you know, uh, you know, uh, Ian Bok Choi. No, what it is is uh, recently it's been sure not. Bok is Chinese. Is it? Okay, well, shows how much I know. I'm trying to read this this you know ramen noodle package that's sitting right over here. Yeah. I'm trying to pick out some words that I can use. Yeah, but... see, how could I be racist? I have. Very authentic Marunchan uh, yakisoba noodles. It's true you do. Teriyaki chicken at that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Anyway, that's where I'm going with this. So my dreams. Let's talk about me some more. My dreams. Uh, these ones recently have not been reoccurring. They've all been different, completely different scenarios, all just as scary as the last. With no tying themes? No, no, no. And a lot of it isn't even like something ridiculous like a T-Rex comes and eats you. It's strangely realistic. Like a car accident that's agonizing and then you die. <laughs> or like... Um, do you die in your yeah. dreams or do you wake up I first? have died. So uh, Yeah, like the moment where you lose yeah. consciousness of life is when I wake up. Oh, okay. I was wondering if you like made it past that point no i've never made it through the so how, does, how does billy's subconscious rationalize dying in his subconscious yeah maybe it's just because i've been dealing with you know death so much recently you know tackling the concept of death maybe it's twiddling into my dreams if that's the case you gotta relax there's I, nothing you're gonna do about it you might as well not let it no i know you. but i was pontificating on this quite a lot you know the past couple of weeks about you know the whole end of life right because if you live about 80 years you've got roughly twenty nine thousand days right so you've got all these days you think and you wake up every day and you live your day and you waste so many minutes on things that don't matter and then one day whether you want it to or not it just stops that moment of falling asleep and never waking like that just happens if you're lucky and you never come back and then the world just goes on without you and then eventually no one knows you like like you just you just don't matter right it all just ends and you don't matter i've been pontificating that's really on that. cynical oh horribly so as a horribly christian so. man that's very cynical horribly so because even if you do nothing with your life be, your christianhood should tell you that it doesn't matter if you do nothing you're still infinitely important and 
after you kick the bucket, it's better. So I know, I know, and I'm loved and all those things. But I was, I was heavily pontificating the fact that you know, people sometimes just close their eyes and that's it. Yeah, yeah, that was just that's, I don't know, it's just, just one of those things in life that you know, as humans, we've just decided to live with. Yeah, I've had the flip side because I've been in like some predicaments where you're in the hospital like near bleeding out from places that should not be bleeding and just in pain for like four days as you're just in the hospital and they're like oh yeah there's nothing we could do you're just gonna thrash about for days and you're like you know what if i were to just meet god maybe that'd be better off right now and just not really much i'm doing down here anyhow i've never really had the flip where I wake up and I'm like, you know, I could die and that's terrifying because I'm like, I'm going to die regardless. Right. And ultimately, if I live 10 minutes more or 100 years more from this date, which would be an incredibly long life, doesn't really matter much in eternity. (laughs) No, (laughs) I I know that. Incredibly minute fraction. Or if you're being real cynical, if you're atheistic and we are just mud well if you think the world's been spinning around for what is it like seven billion years whatever they say the number gets bigger every time they say it many billion years and i'm here for most likely less than a hundred i am pretty insignificant and it doesn't matter what i do one way or another might as well not fret on it it's not like i'm gonna hurt the hurt the grand order of things at all it's true i think really what this is coming from is like the uh the fear of the next step i told you i've pontificated on this a lot you know like the idea of i have all these things and all my friends and we have all these conversations and i'm loving life right doing all the things that you want to do in life and then eventually you just don't get to do it anymore and something else happens Mm -hmm. i don't know i just find that to be quite odd i that's probably where most people's fear of death which i think to date is probably one of, if not the biggest fear that most people have. Well, that and spiders. If you pull, you know, the female population. I it was public speaking, but no. If you female, if you poll the female populace, I bet yeah. you'll get spiders. I bet that's gonna come across a little bit sexist. <laughs> listen, a hundred percent. We know how much wusses you are. Listen, a hundred percent of the females I have talked to in the past week are deathly afraid of of spiders. So I hold that to be sound logic. Most men our age, I know, are also afraid of spiders. I haven't talked to them. However, it's also one of those things that it may be considered intolerant. I get a little peeved at it. I'm like, you're a full-grown man, dude. It's a harmless spider that we both know as men with common knowledge of where we live. (laughs) It cannot hurt you. Like, it is unable to even sink its fangs into you. It has no means of harming you in any way. It doesn't carry any pathogens. It can't do anything. You're 20 times faster than it, 100 times larger than it. <laughs> and yet, they're terrified of it. And like, I don't want to touch it. It's like, just move it. If, if you are the man in a relationship, or you t- fill that role, and your significant other asks you to move a spider, and you do not have the gall or wherewithal to move the spider, you should have the gall and wherewithal to walk yourself out of the house and never come back. Wow. That's that spider's house now. 
See, Ian, I think that's your toxic masculinity speaking, okay? I think I it's... said the one who filled the man's, the stereotypical man's role. It can be a woman. I know many women who aren't afraid of spiders and will just pick them up and move them, which is what you should do if you have something that's not harming you, but you don't want it where it is. Just or you could just it kill and it and move it. on. That is true. I usually don't like killing spiders for the practical effect. We live in Wisconsin, and d during our wet season, lots of mosquitoes. If I have spiders around, not that many mosquitoes. True. Because spiders, especially in our area, that's pretty much all they eat is mosquitoes. So I actually really like having spiders around. Maybe not, like, sitting there while I'm sleeping, like, resting on my cheek or something. Because then they, like, tickle. I don't like that. That keeps me up because then it's it's not enough to like bother you enough to get up and move, which is worse. But it's that faint tickle that it's just keeping you up, like a drip of water almost. Like as soon as you're almost asleep, then the little tickles. Like, Dude, I'm trying to sleep. Just go find somewhere else. That kind of idea. It's like the uh, what is what is the stat? Every year, people in the United States swallow at least three spiders while they're sleeping or something like that's that. That's what I say. I really don't. That's true. Yeah, I think they're just pulling that from you know spider hotspots like Georgia. People in Georgia probably swallow 11 of them. And there people are a lot of spiders in Georgia? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's a I've wet, never lived in Georgia. It's a wet so place. No, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. You get down in that, that Bible belt down in there. There's... <laughs> There's, there's a lot of in my racist accents are getting us in trouble in your dreams. No, listen, listen, listen now. You yeah, didn't hear it. I get it. it. It's not racist because you they're white. You didn't. <laughs> that makes it better. It's not I racist because you didn't hear how bad your accent was. It was bad, my friend. Oh, I believe it. <clears throat> oh. Okay. Truth of the matter is, though, I don't think hardly anybody has ever eaten a spider. Because spiders no. are living things. I think it's naive to think that a living thing would crawl into another living thing's means of eating them. <laughs> That's anti-evolution in Darwin's theory 101. If I am a human on the savannah, the last thing I'm going to do while a lion's sleeping with its mouth open, is go stick my head in said lion's mouth and see what happens. Well, if you think practically, right, for a spider to crawl into your mouth, you have to have your mouth open, which means you're breathing through time. your mouth, yeah. right? So this spider, supposedly, allegedly, <laughs> this spider's going to come crawling along and it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel the hard wind of... <laughs> and think, you know where I could go for some warmth and shelter? <laughs> Down the big wind tunnel? <laughs> like, what? Have you... Uh, this could be debunked every anytime you're walking through the woods or you're going in an old barn or something and you have cobwebs. What is the first thing that happens if you blow at a spider? Any air at all? They, like, curl up and they try to run away. They yeah. hate it. Yes. They're not going inside that pressure. No, they're like, oh, my God, the wind comes from here? No, thanks. <laughs> and they go away. Plus, what what is the size? If we had to get like a size chart of size, you would be able to eat a spider without noticing it, but the spider still has enough force on its own volition to cr climb all the way into your stomach without dying. 
That's the crux of it, or right? Or waking you up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because your esophagus is quite a small spot. Yeah. So this spider, oh, God, this is weird to think about. Like a giant <laughs> daddy long leg, like crunched up, waddling down your you know, gullet. <laughs> you know, what it's like yeah, without being blown away. Oh, God, it's all terrible. It's all bad in a bad way. So, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. You don't like to talk about, think about that? No, that partic- Good news, daddy long legs, I found out, they aren't actually spiders. Okay. They're insects. They're not spiders. They still eat other insects, so they sp- fill the role of spiders, but they can't spin web, and they also can't grow any limbs back. So if you've ever been a terrible young child like I never was, and you've ever pulled the legs off Daddy Longlegs, yeah, those aren't coming back. Did you ever do that as a kid? Yeah. Dude, I never I've did. I've done way worse things to little insects Well, and that's what I was thinking. I, we used to have, like, grasshoppers at the daycare I was at. Especially the flying one, what we would do is we'd build these giant holes in the sand uh, area, and we would corner as many of them in there as we could, and then we'd see how many were left when we came out. Because inevitably, what happens is they claw at the sides, they pull the sand away, and then they get out. You know, so we did that for a long time, and then eventually we thought, well, if we gently bury them, so they'll stay in place. That obviously was a grasshopper <laughs> homicide waiting to happen, and then we thought, well, hang on. Some of them fly and some of them don't. So what if we were able just to like take their wings off so they couldn't <laughs> fly? And I very there was a kid that was like, you know, if you take their wings off, they're still fine, right? Like their wings, God just gave them wings and they don't have to have them. They they're removable. <laughs> this kid they're said it. These wings are removable. So I very vividly remember sitting there, you know, like so. There's six six year olds gathered around as we you know we're kicking through the grass until we could find them. You grab it with both hands. You bring it back to the sand spot operation room, right? You dump him in the in the in the pit, and then you wait till he calms down. You know, you pet him a little, sorry, a little, and then you you grab him by his legs, and when he's done, you know, freaking out, you just take his little wing and you rip that thing off, and then, dude, I remember doing that, and yeah, the teacher Somebody just realized, huh? From our experience, little Midwestern boys, actual sociopaths. <laughs> Literal sociopaths give zero care about other things. Dude, we were learners. We were learners. That is you know, true. we were learning about things. I got pooped on several times by a little grasshopper, so I knew how to clean oh, it Oh, yeah, up whenever and... anything got upset. Oh, it yeah. Always oh, yeah. Him. You know, and there was lots of bees in the area because, okay, particularly where my daycare was, it was way out of town, and they had lots of land, and it was kind of by a, a wood, and what it was is basically a big field. And they put big playground equipment and all the things. But the corners of the field, they obviously didn't trim as much. So there was lots of wildflowers growing. So what do you get in wildflowers? Insects like grasshoppers and bees. We had so many bees, especially like in in the playground equipment up, you know, at the second story up at the top. There's like a little... It's almost like a hideout, right? You know, for kids to go into, and it's got a, a little plexiglass thing to look out. There are so many beehives up in there. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was like the coolest spot to be, but also the most dangerous spot to be. So if you were up there, you were living on the edge in a big Only way. Only if you're allergic to bees. Well, in general, because it's you know, when you're a kid, the bumblebees are the scariest because they're the biggest. Yeah. You know, obviously later in life you learn that they're the most harmless. Yeah. But as kids, you're like, oh shit, move out of that guy's way. Steve does not play around. And uh, obviously, Steve didn't care that we were there, but... I am indifferent to bees and wasps at this point. Uh, From my neighborhood friend, when I was about 10 years old, lived with him a couple years. And his house, his family was from Vietnam and had a Vietnamese garden surrounding their house. So 
very lush, and that's where they got most of their, like, vegetables and whatnot. But because of this, in the perfect uh, canopy overhang, where their house had a little overhang, huge wasp nest. I'm talking, like, a couple feet across. Every single year oh, wow. would come full to life with wasp nests. I don't know why we decided to do this. In the first year, it was terrifying. Then we started doing it for fun. I don't know why we would ever come back to this. But we got a football. And we made a game to see who can smack the wasp hive hardest with the football. And the last person to run away. (laughs) What? (laughs) I think the only time that... It truly terrified us, and this probably got us over all bee fears for life. Was the first year, both of us didn't realize like how fast they were relative to us. We didn't know when to run. <laughs> Several bee stings like right by the eye, which is the only time it's like kind of scary because you don't want a uh, uh, stinger in your eye. So that one terrified us. I, and I'm pretty sure we were terrified. The entire rest of the summer and to the next year. We ended up doing it the next year regardless. Well, it's a yearly event now. Yeah, but we know. learned but we learned the proper timing after the first year, so we could outrun them every time after gotcha. that. Gotcha. So, was never a problem again. Of course, we get stung in the limbs from some of the faster guys every once in a while, but that didn't really bother us. Man, I had a pretty decent go with bees in my life. I yeah. also did the bee trapping when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Except what we would do to draw them in is, you know, when my friends and I would be out playing with, like, water guns and stuff, that obviously would bring them in, especially if you had yep. soap. Bees love yep. soap. So we'd play the soapy solution. And, you know, the bubble makers, you know, the ones where you unscrew them and you take them out and you wave them in the air, they're kind of big. And uh, and you make big bubbles with them. What we would do is we had a, a, a we had one of those with a soapy solution in them. So we wait for the bees to come get in the soapy solution, and we close, close. the thing on top of them, <laughs> yeah. right? And then twist it around and around and around, and then we would dismantle the bee in this soapy solution. Now, for those that aren't keen in on this, what happens when a bee dies is it lets off this this uh, uh, odor odor to other bees that say, "Come near, I'm in trouble." <laughs> So you'd open that bastard back up and you'd set it back on the porch and you'd wait three, four minutes and yeah. a bee friend would come to help and you'd snatch him up real quick and you'd twist his limbs off and you see how many limbs can you get in this soapy solution before one bee gets you. And I have been gotten a couple times. Here's the only time I've been afraid of bees and it was when I was in college um, because where I went to college there were bees around because it was lots of trees on campus and stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, lots of natural flowers and untouched land because, you know, you need to be conservative of the land because you're a college institution and such. <laughs> so there were several times, where, you know, particularly one time where I got out of my car and just got stung by a wasp randomly huh. on a, a mild summer day. I was like, well, that was lame. Yeah, but, I think it's the same thing. Like, what the hell? But what does suck is the area that I went to college, there were shiny blue wasps. Uh-huh. Now, those things are killers. There's no other way for me they to put this sting. to you. Those are, those are not your friendly neighborhood you know, yellow jacket yep. or your, your neighborhood wasp. This is like a wasp's bouncing badass brother <laughs> that's coated in blue you know, secret sauce that makes him hurt a whole hell of a lot more. He's like blue and black. He's like the camo man. He's just running around 
Yeah, absolutely not. I refuse to go outside of my campus in the summertime when I was in college there. Yeah. Absolutely refused. I I could see how that might set you off to them. Yeah, who wants to study outside on a, you know, a nice wooden picnic bench? Did you guys study outside? Yeah, every once in a while I've been known to. Oh. Oh, you, you, my choice. I thought you meant like the, the professor took the class. Oh, no, I was like, I no, never no. experienced something like that. No, on my own volition, I would do that. If the professor showed up to class at all, that'd be a good thing. Some of them, yeah. It was convenient for me because obviously as a music person, you need to have a music wing. Fair enough. So all of my music professors were on a two-square block, you know, like a, uh, in the same building. Yeah. And all the classrooms were in that building. So they really had no excuse to not be there. Fair enough. I still had some that just all the excuses in the world. I did too, especially the ones that live down the way. So they insist on walking or riding their bike. And we live in Wisconsin. So most of the year it's snow on the ground. I remember I had a professor walk in one day and he said, you have to forgive me. I'm in a bad mood. We're like, okay, it's 830 on a random Tuesday. Like, why? What's up? And he's dusting off snow from his jacket. He said, I fell three times walking to work today. And he just he went on this big rant about how he <laughs> slipped and fell. And two things came to my mind. First of all, I was like, dude, you're a grown adult. You can't walk on a sidewalk. <laughs> Followed closely behind with the thought of, man, that sucks. And you could see how he had banged up his, his leg. He like, limped into the classroom. And I was like, what is going on, dude? I can't really feel much remorse for him. No, you, You're a college professor. You have the money for a vehicle. Especially here in Wisconsin. They're... Nothing's really all that inflated. And it's Wisconsin. If you're walking anywhere every single morning in February in Wisconsin, you're you're going to get hurt or something's going to happen. It's just a dumb thing to do. He would even bike during the winter, his block and a half. He would take his pedal bike. That's a terrible... <laughs> which, and he would, he would pedal himself to, yeah, to where we, to where the campus was. Oh. At that point, I might just personally get the dude a gym membership. Yeah, right? Well, this is also the same. Gyms exist because nine months out of the year, we can't exercise outside here. This is the same professor that one time said that his wife almost left him. This was, of course, partly jokingly, I think. Because because apparently he uh, woke up in the middle of the night and just started shaking her, like violently shaking her. I guess he must have had a real bad nightmare like I do or something, except to the max. He was, like, shaking the crap out of her, like, hitting her or something like that in his sleep. <laughs> and she's like, I can't be with you. You don't say. But they're still together, so, you know, love finds a way. If I was getting abused awake at night, that might be a little bit rough, too. <sighs> yeah. But I don't think I could be woken up. Once I go to sleep, I'm pretty out. Dude, it's true. <laughs> you are hard to wake. I have personally been a uh, spectator to this feat. <laughs> you know... Q Ian, a doctor, and then Q Billy being horribly ill on a trip that we took and needing a doctor's help to not be so ill. And there he was, laying on a fold-out couch like a bastard, sleeping <laughs> as sound as could be. I, I can't. What can I say? I like sleep. Maybe it's because I don't dream. You know what the worst so part is? You, that break. you know what? I don't know if you remember this, but the next morning you woke up and there I was, hadn't slept at all, spent the whole night in the bathroom. You woke up the next morning and said, "Mate, you should have just woke me up and asked me for help." <laughs> <laughs> you, that sounds you, like you, what I would say. You, you remember this? I <laughs> do remember. That that is one hundred percent exactly what I would say. 
And if something like that were to ever happen again, that's exactly what I would say again. I could not believe it. And I know full well, I, there's no way anyone can wake me up. I'm pretty sure people have, like, smacked me across the face. Doesn't phase me. There's nothing that you can do to wake me up. I could not believe it, folks. I could not believe it. My, my man looked. My man woke up from his nine-hour snooze. Took one look at me and said, "Hey, the most concerned, mate. You should have woken me up, you <laughs> bastard." <laughs> Cannot believe you. In fairness, I would have helped. I know you would have. I know. <laughs> Called me at a bad time. <laughs> yeah, I really did. I was I, out of the office. <laughs> I caught you between office hours. <laughs> Shoot. Oh my gosh! Well, what is true is that people could probably catch up on their uh, their own sleep with this ad read. <laughs> oh no! That one was a little okay. bit that, shaky. That one was shaky. That one was shaky. I was thinking about the rest of that trip. I remember when I wasn't feeling well. It was like, oh gosh, one o'clock in the morning, and I drove to the nearest Walgreens by myself, right? And and uh, I I went up to the the guy in the pharmacy who obviously doesn't want to be there, and I said, hey. I'm not feeling so hot. What can we do to help? Because I had left all of my actual prescribed medications at home. And he said, you know, well, obviously all we can do is give you over-the-counter stuff. I said, okay, show me the counter. And uh, I there was some anti-whatever, whatever meds. Yeah, anti-nausea meds. And I bought them, and I cracked the package open and cracked a bunch of them into my hand. And the guy said, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you driving home? I said, yes. <laughs> How do you think I got here? He said, you can't take those and drive. I said, I don't think you understand. So I took these things. He said, well, you got to hurry home quick because you got about 20 minutes before, you know, those, the, before the drowsy feature <laughs> sets in. And I was, pharmacist, by yes, the way. Yes. Yes. So the worst part is obviously is for those that know the story, I didn't actually make it all the way yeah. home. I only made a halfway home and, then, and the, then the rest of it was history sort of. But yes. I should have caught you between operating hours of, you know, eight and eight. Exactly. Yeah, that was a bummer. That was a real bummer. Couldn't believe it. All right, I got a topic. A wide, This is a wide change, but this is one we didn't get to talk about, I think, a couple of weeks ago. So remind me if we already did talk about this. We did. We can rehash it. But there is a news story that I came across that reads like this. Guy who got away with bank robbery 52 years ago finally identified. So this guy robbed a bank and he stole $250,000, which is $1.7 million in today's money. Yeah, that's pretty good. He moved to Massachusetts and started a new life as a car salesman. Is that really a new life? Well, it's more than what he had before. <laughs> and he, he, he was uncaught by the police. Now, here's the kicker. They identified him 52 years later, but the guy passed away. Before they could do anything with him. So this ultimate scot-free. This dude robbed a bank, stole a quarter, smooth quarter of a million, moved to a different state, started a whole new life, had family, kids, the whole nine, right? Was a car salesman. And when the police found him, the dude checked out a life. That's like movie timing. It was good. That's the perfect. It wasn't like, even Wolf like Wolf of Wall Street type yes, deal. It wasn't even like one of those, you know, where they find him and they, you know, while they're prosecuting him, he dies. Yeah. You know, like old Nazi soldiers now. And this was like the dude passed away. He lived a whole life. And after he had died, they identified who he was. 
I wonder if his family like will get any of the repercussions. I was thinking about that as well. You know, they didn't know him at the time, or they had nothing to do with this. Right, right. How culpable are they? Say the whole his whole lot, his whole dealership is made with um, dirty money. Will they take away that? Will they take away the house? Will yeah, they take I, away everything? I wonder that as well because you know, back in the day. You can move ten miles away, start a brand new life, and no one would know you. Because I mean, because people way back in the yeah, day. Yeah, that's what I'm talking point, about. You know, yeah. you know, thinking about fifty two years ago from this guy, it was only the seventies, so go farther back, you know. True. Maybe about, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, so I was thinking about, you know, the premise of a guy could just start a new life. Because yeah. human beings didn't travel that far. There was no such thing as social media or any didn't of have that. The internet, yeah. Right. So nowadays that's not the case. So I feel like if you were a bank robber back then, that's a much easier feat to pull off than it is now. Very much so. I think... I would say not for bank robbing purposes, right? but it might help. I wish we still had a way someone could just move and start over. There were perks to that form of society. True, because... Sometimes in life, you'll find yourself where you need a fresh start, where where you are, maybe in the town that you are, it, you can't make it work. There, Just too much has happened, be it good stuff or bad stuff. It's a small town, matter. you slept with seven of the eight women in the whole town. <laughs> yes, sure. It behooves most people to be able to say, move to a different place and have a different life start over because then you can fully actualize what you have learned from your mistakes and the wisdom you've gained over time whereas now every single mistake you make in today's society will forever haunt you because it will always be held against you yes i can't move from wisconsin here down to new mexico and start anew and build myself a completely new man because they'll just pick up records and uh, from my time here in Wisconsin and be like, oh, this is you and whatnot. And it's like, that's not me, but you can't explain that anymore because then you don't have that disconnect. Yeah, you're completely right. I hate, I, I didn't realize how, how n there's no chance of doing that anymore. It just dawned on me, but I hate that. Yeah, I think there's goods and bads, as there is you know, with most societal advancements. Obviously, the good is that, you know, your husband can't walk out on you or wife can't walk out on you and, you know, move down the block and you would never know. So there's there's a bit of that. But at the same time, it's I would... Agree better or worse, though, if they leave, like, because nowadays we still have more divorced, more walkouts than ever before. True. That is true. And they move... But you know what they're up to and have access to all that. Is that healthier or worse? Well, I guess I'm I was not sure just, that might be better. I guess I was just thinking from the standpoint, you know, like guy gets girl pregnant and then just leaves. It's a little easier now to track him down and say, actually, no, 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 no. You need to. You know, you're <laughs> responsible for this. So I was guess I was coming at it from that angle. But I Fair agree enough. with you. The ability, or rather, the inability for um, a person to reinvent themselves or learn and grow is. 
you know, and it, because it's not even like if they learn and grow or how they change their mind. It's also how society changes its mind. Yeah. So something you did 20 years ago that was acceptable but is no longer acceptable now is also being judged. 100% of Twitter. Yeah, right, right. It's Remember like, this tweet you posted out 30 years ago? Well, we're going to have to let you go for that. Why? Because it's horribly awful. It's like, I don't remember tweeting that. That's... That's not me because that was 30 years ago. I didn't know I did that. That's I've changed. I'm a completely different person. It has no bearing on me. And society just now said that's bad. So how can I be accountable for that? Well, I think it's worse for younger people, right? I mean, when they oh, yeah. have, when they have a whole lifetime you know, worth of tweets as opposed to you know, only 10 years worth. Yeah. I mean, gosh, there will be a day. Mark my words. There will be a day. Or someone is sitting in a job interview or, you know, someone is sitting at the table and say, well, actually, Grandma, you know, Grandpa Ian, 85 years ago and you put <laughs> out on, you know, whatever social media platform. Yeah. That day is coming. And I'll slap that child and I'll say, wow. 85 years? That's right. I have at least 85 years on you. Respect me. <laughs> Let them know. I'm, I'm still living. <laughs> Let them know. 85 years ago, I had... Go inside my car to move. I didn't have to teleport into yeah, the house. Yeah, right, to house. right, right. Yeah. I had to go uphill both way in my car. <laughs> Dude, you were talking several weeks ago about human advancement and how there's just not a lot of people inventing things now. Yeah. There hasn't been a lot of inventions. And someone was having a conversation the other day and was saying that actually one good one that's not like from Shark Tank. <laughs> you know, is uh, the new satellite we just sent up into space to take pictures? What is it called? The satellite? Oh uh, yeah, we it's it's supposed to replace the Hubble telescope. It's the new telescope. Oh, the, James, the, the big one. Yeah, the, I, I don't know the name. The James the Webb or something like that. That is a marvel of American, and not even yeah. just American, but humanity's ability to engineer something. America put it up. We can give ourselves a Yeah, okay, credit. you're right. America crushed that stuff. <laughs> not going to lie. High fives all the way around for America because, wow, dude. I wouldn't call it an invention, though. Because that's just more technological advancement on stuff we already had thought out. I was thinking more in the term, like, not the thing itself, but the items that compile it. Like the type of mirror being used or like the filaments being used. I feel yeah. like some of those things are invented. Invented, created, I would give you. I was, when I say we, we weren't inventors anymore, I was meaning the creativity to create something that has not been thought of. Mm, gotcha. So yeah, we create new filaments and new mirrors and much better lenses and better way of doing all this. And we create new things, but it's just to better something that someone else has already come up with. Because, you know, because it's yeah, replacing the new telescope some... doesn't do anything that previous humans in history have not already thought of doing. Gotcha. Because a telescope already existed. Exactly. It's simply a newer telescope. Yeah. I see where you're going. That's okay. like saying okay. uh, Apple's... Each year, that new iPhone. We're at what a, the iPhone 15 or whatever. So. I have no idea. iPhone 15 is the same level of invention as the original iPhone, or like the original phone for that matter. It's like no one of these people had to conceptualize a completely new way of thinking, 
and be able to create a machine that can actualize that way of thinking for the betterment of mankind. All Apple's done since iPhone 12 to 15 is add more pixels in the display. That's not really... We're not inventing anything more. <laughs> yeah, you're simply pushing the boundaries of what you have. I exactly. I see what you're saying. I and see what you're saying. I guess to a lesser extent, maybe smartphones connecting someone to the internet. But I would constitute that the internet as a whole. That, I would say, was one of the last true inventions. Aside from that, most inventions we have now are either just continuing to better up 100-year-old technology, if not later, or simply um, ways to connect to the internet. <laughs> right. The internet was, in my eyes, the last true invention, and we're just come up with more and more ways to connect things or people to that. <laughs> it's true. Well, I was thinking about that because it is a real marvel, this telescope we've put yes. up there. And I also love how their their hope is to reenact the Hubble telescope, that same deep space yep. photo that we took, except with just much better clarity. It's, better, yeah. it's just going to be better and cooler in every way, and I cannot wait to see what they come up I with. I respect that. that. I admire that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's not that they're not smart for coming up with it. Yeah. Obviously, they're stupidly they're brilliant. smart. Yes. They took this very fragile and stupidly capable machine and then they shot it into space. Yeah. Got to be pretty smart to make that happen. Exactly. But, so not to undercut that. Right. But in terms of invention, like inventing the telescope. Yeah. Yeah. Or what you're even similar to the Hubble tel telescope. Yes, this one will get much better imagery. And maybe we can take pictures of things from slightly further away now. But all things considered, it doesn't actually give us anything new per se yeah I, it's still just a telescope yeah and what i don't like about it and i don't mean to you know lament on this topic yeah, screw forever. you american government now that we after we gave you a little round of applause we're gonna tear you down yeah right i i don't understand why like the hubble telescope has been up there for a long time yes completely operational and it still is operational mostly what i don't like is that this new one is supposed to, its lifespan is only a few years. Yeah. Like, it's not going to last that long. It's just going to become the space junk that's up there, which I do think is going to be the next frontier of cleaning up the world because all that space junk is up there. And we're going to have to find a way to clean it up because otherwise we can't put more satellites up. So we're really screwing ourselves on that. I think that's going to be a great inventing yeah. time to try to figure Turning out. Turning yourself how to, into, like, Wally world? It's sort of like you're you're turning it into a Wally type of deal. Um, but part of what... As I understand what the goal of this telescope is, is to see farther, obviously, right? To see mm -hmm. the, you know, quote-unquote edges of the universe and to see more about planets that we didn't know about before and learn as much as we can about the ones that are close to us because if you can get a really good snapshot of Mars or the moon, you can understand it more, right? This type of idea. But what I find particularly odd is people are still on this whole Big Bang thing and the universe expansion thing, and it's... People just don't seem to understand it. And it boggles my mind <laughs> that, like, the average high school physics class doesn't teach you this very basic concept of the Big Bang not being the thing that created our universe. The Big Bang had nothing to do... The Big Bang didn't create anything. No, it didn't do it. No, it didn't create anything at all. <laughs> all the Big Bang did was it was a large explosion yep. that was probably, like, a supernova of a planet turning in on itself and exploding. 
And all it did was started pushing all the universes nearby outward. Yeah. So people talk about the expansion of space, right? This this stupid air quote, expansion of space, <laughs> right? Space itself is getting larger. No, it's not. Our perceived understanding of space is getting larger because we're moving. That is such an airhead thing to hear, and I hear it so much, and it's usually from people who come from sincere, like, they think they're being deep and thoughtful in the science and like yeah space is ever expanding and it just keeps growing outward exponentially and i'm sitting there like let's help you conceptualize something here the word space we use as a filler for emptiness nothing yeah 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 you are trying to claim to me that nothing is becoming larger or smaller expanding or anything that's not how nothing works. We use space to define everything that is not something else. Right, and what people do, they see, what they do is they listen to a 53-second Twitter clip of Neil deGrasse Tyson. Think yeah. They understand. And so people think of it as a box, like a square box that just is <laughs> no, getting just larger, it, yeah. right? We're just, no, in a, we're just in a snow globe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is, but, the, but the globe is just getting larger, you yeah. know, because space is expanding. What they're not understanding <laughs> is that all of the things are moving. Yeah. Right? All of them are moving. We have done so many calculations on nearby planets that are moving away from us. And we're like, oh my gosh, why are they moving away from us? Well, we're also moving. Yeah. They just happen to be moving away from us faster than we're moving. <laughs> you know? Because there are also things that are getting closer to us. Yeah. So it's it's this strange thing that people that people are on about. And I mean, I guess I don't... I don't that's not necessarily going to be like known fact, particularly because if you conflate the term, you know, Big Bang with what its its purpose is, which is a supernova explosion that is forcing us outwards. Yeah. Or the idea of, you know, the Big Bang is in creating the universe because every atheist loves to throw that one out there. You know, when you start conflating those two things, I can see how, you know. Those uh, are horrible conflations, too. Yeah. Even yes. the scientific founders of like the Big Bang theory, the entire theory at large. Would never use it as a creationist doctrine. Like it didn't create anything. They would never. They they themselves said it never created anything. It was all there. It just right forced it out. Right, and their argument of you know that our our planet was created. Our planet was created the same as every other planet. You know, and then it mixed all these molecules, and this thing happened. And but except we're the only ones. Like there, you could get this whole argument going. Um. But one one thing that I do find fairly interesting, <clears throat> pardon me, is that they talk about um, the Big Bang conflating things. People get so many like basic science things messed up like that, like astrology signs and how those came to be. And those are basically <laughs> like, you know, how do those work? Because, you know, like you're moving and you're spinning. So you're seeing different sides of the universe at different times of year. And that's how they were created or People listen, you know, watch the History Channel, and they think black holes are actually only the size of like a tennis ball. But they, no, they're not. They're the size of giant freaking planets. And they, if they, that, <clears> maybe our entire solar system. They're after huge. Some of them, yeah. <laughs> yes, black holes are ginormous, and people think that you just get sucked into them and then you disappear. That's not what happens at all. Because <laughs> well, all they do is, you know, once once you are entered into their gravitational force, which is larger than the planet that you're yep. on, which means it has to be fairly freaking large to create a gravitational force that large. Once you get sucked into it, there's so much pressure inside of it 
that nothing comes out. That's why it's black. Not even light can escape from it. <laughs> you know, it's like these are very simple concepts that a lot of people in general, they like America, the world, just get goofed up. Yeah. And that's how like people accidentally, sincerely are misinforming other people. It's the strange thing that happens in this world. Do you think that with all these misconceptions, as well as our advancement towards not new inventions, but bettering old inventions, is there, I hate to be cynical at this point, is there a purpose of creating better telescopes to see further away planets clear? What, what information could possibly seem a picture from somewhere we have no means of relaying with, reaching, getting to. We we can't even conceptualize trying to get there yet. Yeah. How is a picture of that going to help us in any way? I think it's one of those, you know, people like to give scientific analysis. While it helps us by looking at other stars, by looking at other galaxies, we can better understand our own. What I think is also probably pretty true for those same people is deep down inside their seven-year-old self is going, wouldn't it be cool if? True. Wouldn't it be cool if we could put a giant-ass camera, <laughs> point it that direction, and just see how far can we go? And I absolutely love that mentality and mindset. I just... I feel if we're going to invest to the point of billions of dollars on this mindset and it's everybody's money collectively going to like taxes for say funding NASA, it's not just, I don't know, Elon Musk doing whatever he wants with his own money because if he wants to make a giant telescope, eh. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Is, can we conceptualize any actual gain from I think Something scientifically like there is a lot of gain. And I, I'm not a science guy. I mean, I've taken lots of science classes in college because <laughs> you have to. But yeah, I, I think that there is truth to understanding the things around you in this greater expanse. And I think it can help you understand how to better understand your own thing. Like, for example, we just sent a probe. Was that this year? Recently? Into the sun? Wasn't that a thing? We just sent a probe into the sun. We've done it in and the we, past. I don't know how And we learned about how the sun, like, what is it made of? How does it operate? How does the first layer of the sun work? And that lets us know a little bit more about, like, the sun and how it could have been created. Because it's the closest thing to us, you know, in terms of bright stars. And that also affects, like, how we look at plants and how we look at water and things like evaporation and waves. Because understanding the material that it lets off and how it interacts with our atmosphere and our beings mm -hmm. is important. So I think there's something to be said for all of that. Would scale matter then? Because I understand, obviously, we can get our life-giving sun has right, insights right. to life here. Half a universe away, many, many, many solar systems away, a picture... Even, say, we got a probe to... Yeah. A planet way out there. How would that benefit us? Or is the scale so far removed from us, would that even apply to us anymore? Because if we're talking trillions upon trillions of light years away, and we only have pictures, how much information can we really get? Because at that point, 
we're basically putting ourselves back into ancient societies and humans looking at the stars. Yeah. Almost the same thing. We're seeing a picture of something we can we can't even conceptualize how far away it is. I think and this is my own opinion on this and this is not I have I guess I haven't thought about this one a lot, but here's how this strikes me. I would go back to the first conversation about death and the next thing. I think that man for as long as it has existed has this unquellable need and query about the thing beyond them. I think that there is this thing deep inside mankind that has to look up at the stars Mm -hmm. that has to wonder what is that? What is it doing? How does it relate to me? I think all of this is just a new technological way of looking at the stars and for us to go look at that so far away and look at us here. You know, it's for as long as time has existed, we've been doing that. I think it's just another way of us, you know, rationalizing the same things. It's just more technologically advanced than it was. At what point... This is going to make me sound very cynical, and I'm all for it. That's okay. At what point does looking at our star... Looking to the stars as a society ruin the society's pursuit of itself. Yeah, I see what you're saying, right? You should, you should, uh, love your life and sort of like, uh, how's the motto go? I refuse to do anything, but have a good time. Right. Because when you're spending so much time looking at the, the thing that's not where yeah. you are, you're not looking at you and all the gifts that you have. Is yes that where this no. is? Uh, yes and no. So of course you want to look and you want some sort of semblance of how you relate to other people, other mm. things. Is it not just a little bit harmful almost to the human psyche to ever expand outwards to things that even with our technology, we can't conceptualize and it will never come into play to us, but still keep looking out there at that point we're searching so hard outward and outward eventually we're going to lose meaning because we don't have all the answers. Yeah. And if we don't settle for an acceptance at some point, we don't have all the answers. Some of this might just be trivial at that point. Some of that, some of the internal psyche of humans is probably not going to be very healthy. Well, I think you could probably find fringes in the world where that's already the case, right? People trying to rationalize everything in their life and not being able to put it up to like, I just don't know. I don't know what I don't know, right? That sort of idea. Um, I agree that there is a line where if you start looking at the thing that is beyond you and you stop looking at the thing that you have, you can't cherish the thing that you have as much. So I agree with that. And I agree that if you spend your whole time looking at the infinitesimalness of your life, that it will make it really hard for you to get up the next day and achieve your goals. Mm -hmm. If you look at yourself as, look, a trillion miles away, which is a a distance I can't even fathom because 45 miles is a long distance to walk, you know, that there's another thing out there that's much like the thing that we have, but not with people. Like that uh, that thing is really hard. And again, it's always, it's just man trying to rationalize his existence, but... You're right that when you start looking that far out, it can be very difficult. I don't know where the line is. 
I think looking out is is a little healthy. I think it gives mm-hmm. you a reality check. But you're right that you should be, you know, I should be focused on sitting in this room with you chatting or the people listening to this on their car ride to work or sitting in their bedroom at night or whatever the thing is. You should have that grounding principle yeah. and, and some level for sure. And I think the last question I've been trying to romp around in my mind here on this topic we can give unique advice because we're both Christian. Mm. What is the healthy life balance of living your life and striving outwards in terms of rationale, rationale and spiritual spirituality in terms of Christianity, but a way of living that is not strictly rational. I think you would have a different opinion than this on me, so I'll go and then you can you can okay. tell me where your opinion is a little different. I think that look as a, as a Christian man that understands that God is the glory for all of this. God created all of this. God created everything that we're going to take a picture of with this new telescope. As far as the eye can see and beyond that was made in the glory of God. Understanding that, I think there's nothing wrong with looking out at those stars and being in absolute awe. Because sometimes as humans, we try to rationalize God. We try to think that, oh, I understand God, you know, this being that poured planets out of his mouth, right? We try to understand and we try to compute in ways that we can understand. We dim God's light to be able to understand him as humans. Sometimes it's a good reality check to just be able to look and say, a trillion miles away, he made that. And he also made me. So I think there's a healthy ab- amount of like understanding the the immensity of God because we so often try to trivialize him and make him work for us. That's just him out there rocking and rolling, right? I also think that the the on planet stuff, right? When you're looking at yourself or your close circle, you know, how does it affect your dreams or your your drive for your own things when the whole world's infinitesimal. I would relate all of that to, and I, I'm straying your second part of your question a little bit, okay. mostly because I don't remember the whole thing verbatim. Um, but I would lean back into the idea that I was made for a purpose. I was put here for a reason. I have uniqueness that, you know, my fingerprints are different than anyone else's. That's how unique that I am. God's got a good plan going. So I could spend my whole time looking at all of his majestical work and I could spend my time looking at other people. But at the end of the day, I'm here for something too. Right? So. I understand the orchestrated plan or divine plan as far as creation is concerned. And that's kind of what you're bringing up to give the purpose and having that healthy understanding. How is, how is a society that, I guess the crux of what my question was prying, how is our society or human society at large right now, who is not innately religious as far as society at large, Mm -hmm. So, as a society, we cannot fall back on religious ideology or doctrine or thoughts in that manner. 
Is there another way you or I, as Christian, or if we were Muslim or anything else, can conceptualize in a rational manner and present an argument for something other than rationality in today's society? <sighs> yeah, I don't know if I have the answer on that one. That's a philosophical question, big time, right? I mean, it is. You're it is. digging at the dig. I, I did dug. just kind of. <laughs> yeah. This is also completely unscripted, so you were just kind of dropped with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, say the question again. Here we go. At Society at large today is not innately religious. Yes. Or would not at least admit to being religious, even yeah. if they live their life. Less way. than 25% of people now identify as religious, oh, yeah. something like that. So, in a culture of strict rationality with no religious, how can we, as religious individuals, conceptualize in a meaningful way or a meaningful argument to the rest of society that they are missing something, that rationality will fail them? So you're basically asking how do we how do we convert these people back? I mean at the end of the day, not necessarily right? conversion, but how do you show yes. them the peace that they don't see? Um yes, which person to person basis, which is how most religions Christians how we're supposed to evangelize and supposed to speak to people because that's how you can speak person to person. That's really yeah. the only way to talk to people. As a society though, I think even if it's not, say, Christian, even if I'm not trying to convert people, I think based on our talk with technology, looking to the skies, there we need to have some sort of basis holding, grounding us in ourselves as a society that is not rationality. Here's the difference between a man that man or woman person that identifies religiously and a person that does not. The person that identifies religiously doesn't think they're the only thing. They don't hold the power. It doesn't matter what religion you go to. They don't hold the power. So you and I being Christian men, we talk about, you know, our creator holding the power, right? I didn't do any of this. Someone else did. A non-religious person would tell you that, in fact, they are culpable with all of the advancements. You know, mankind did X, Y, Z. When you and I are understanding that someone had to give you that gift and the glory has to go to someone else. We're not in it for the glory like they are, right? That's sort of like the, the, the basic battle line mm -hmm. that you could draw. In terms of showing them that, I think it it leads to a big conversation about humility. And I wouldn't mind using the stars as a great example, right? The infinitesimal, the infinitesimality of it all. That's not a word, but I made it work. <laughs> you know, it can be used to distract you from making your life dreams and such happen, but it can also be a great fundamental realization that there's more than you to this world. What I said earlier about one day you just go away. Mm -hmm. And there are people whose names you will never know who did things you could never even fathom of. And that's just how it's going to be. That sort of ability to, to be humble and understand that maybe there's more at play than just myself, that ability to look outward 
is where I would lean to start with your question. I would stop looking centrally at the self and looking externally at others and how our interaction to make society is important. People are are all too often stuck within themselves. I see this in students, particularly the ones that were caught in the COVID trap where they were stuck at home, right? They don't want to be looked at. They don't want to be talked to. They don't want to raise their hand. They don't want to do any of this stuff. They want to look particularly internally. It's a, it's the most egocentrical thing that we've done. It's just like how we used to think the star or, you know, the sun revolved around us. We were always yeah. egocentrical, but people at one point in time in this world understood there was something else. They, they took the egocentrism away from themselves, you know, and this actually, there's a fun group in this world that is trying to remove any religious thing from any government or like any, you know, parks and places you can't have a cross out in the open or anything like that. And they're basically saying that atheists created the world. This is their tagline. I'm not lying. You can look this up. People that don't believe in God are the reason for human advancement. I think that idea is the crux of the problem. The inability to look outward. Ooh, there it is. Hubris. That's what I got hubris for you. Indeed. That's what I got. I pulled I think, that out of thin air. I think next week, that is something I definitely want to dive into, but there's no way we can unpack societal hubris. And I will, we hubris. should lead with that next week. It's a wild organization. I don't We're going to need to unpack that. Yeah, for sure. They're pretty fun. I would agree. Hubris is, if not one of the biggest downfalls of mankind. There it is. And just like that, A Gentleman's Chat, episode 54, with your hosts, Ian and Billy.